And while Tampa Bay has Sunday off, the Lowe's undefeated team won again. And three other NFC teams equal the Buccaneers win total. We discussed that and so much more. And yes, this is the Monday Morning Extra Point, a Bucks Nation podcast. Len Martez joined by former NFL quarterback Brandon Dowdy. Before we get heavy into week six of the NFL, allow me to remind you to follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Dowdy. Follow me at Elmar A10. Most of all, follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation. And don't forget to hit up BucksNation.com for all your latest news on the Super Bowl champs. And no matter how you found this podcast, whether it's Spotify, iHeart, or Apple, hit that subscribe button so you get this podcast and others when new podcasts come out. All right, Mr. Dowdy. So as I stated, yeah, the Bucks had Sunday off, but let's do a little quick review of Thursday night because you and I haven't talked since last week. Bucks winning Thursday night, 28 to 22. Bucks are now five and one. They beat the Eagles in Lincoln Financial Field. And in a game that I was surprised to see that Tom threw it as many times as he did because he has thumb banged up. But uh, they won this pretty much first half with, uh, with Tom going 11 for 12 on the first two drives of the game. So it, to me, it looked kind of simple. I know some folks kind of sweated it out because it was a one-score game at the end, but I never thought the game was in doubt. No, I, I think they were uh, pretty dominant uh, offense and defensive side of the field. To me, the most shocking thing is um, – one, they ran the ball pretty efficiently, and I, I think that's that that's number one. I, th- I think that around this time of the year, Tom knows he's a vet. He knows this weather is going to start getting ugly, and I'm not going to be able to throw the ball as, as as many times as I want to. Yeah, he threw it 42 times. I get that, but Leonard Fournette had 22 carries, two touchdowns. It really started on the ground. You could tell that they were going to be patient with the run game for the first time that I've been watching them. Man, it, it seemed like when I the first five weeks, man, I, I was watching them and I was thinking, are they ever going to just stick with the run game one game? No. <laughs> if they get two yards, that's out. They're going to throw it six plays in a row. Second thing I thought was interesting, no, it was really three things. Second thing I thought was interesting, I think Antonio Brown is, is slowly becoming the number one threat. I think Tom trusts him. I think when the, when it gets when it gets in, into a half-two moment, I think he goes to AB. I think he has that. I don't know if it's because they, they spent a little time being roommates. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it seems like Antonio is 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 playing hard for him. He knows the zones to sit in when he when the play breaks down. He's a he's unbelievable in the scramble drill. It looks like it's practice, but it probably isn't just because Tom ain't scrambling. But um, but then again, put it past Tom Brady to not practice something you're, you're crazy. But uh, the third, the third thing that I thought was really interesting is what Jalen Hurts was throwing for 350 yards a game, three, 325, 350 a game, and this Bucks DBs who had Richard Sherman go down again, they created a, uh, a couple turnovers. They did a really good job of sustaining Hurts, and yeah, he had a lot of pressure up front. I don't, I don't think Jalen Hurts is nearly ready to be an NFL quarterback. At all, I think he's a vet. I don't think he's had a vet guy to sit him down and have him teach him the game. I think he escapes the pocket way too early. I think sometimes he gets off his first read, and once he gets off his first read, he's done. But he was pretty being pretty efficient with the football and t- getting big chunk plays. He's run after catch, catch plays, and doing a really good job even in the run game. So 
to hold him to 115 yards passing in a game where they were down pretty much the whole game. I, I thought that was impressive. So uh, a lot to be excited about with this Bucks team. Uh, they got a big one next week, but um, there's a lot to be excited. It seems like this game was so long ago because I, I got so digested in a Sunday, you know what I mean? So, but it was, but it's good. I mean, everything, it, they're, they're moving in the right direction that you can tell they have a plan moving forward. So we'll see. And I hope the plan at the end of the season isn't Byron Leftwich getting a head coaching job. They lose big B, my guy, man, they're going to be in some trouble. Bro. So um, we'll see. You said moving on next week, the Bears come to Tampa Bay on Sunday to take on the Buccaneers and the Bucs will face another running quarterback. But you also mentioned getting engulfed into the Sunday game. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's start with the first game of any of the games on Sunday, the one that took place do in it. London. <laughs> yeah. We got to do it. We've got to talk about your former team. Um, oh. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins will lose us to the oh. Jags 23 to 20 in London on Sunday morning. That game ended the Jags 20 game losing streak. It also gave the Dolphins their fifth straight loss of the season after beating New England in week one. Star of the game to me was probably Matthew Wright, kicker who was like a software engineer just a couple of weeks ago and comes out and kicks not one, but two 50 plus yard field goals in the last four minutes of the game, including the game winner with 53 uh, seconds left, 53 yard field goal with seconds left in the game. But here's a question I want to, I want to ask you about, because you mentioned watching in the games and you engulfed in watching your former team, the Miami Dolphins, him being Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback. Before Matthew Wright kicked that field goal, they ran a play. They ran a play that got them probably about nine to 10 yards to get them closer for the attempt. But here's the thing that I want to talk to you about, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. Please do. The Dolphins player touched him down, and that <laughs> initiated the Jags to be able to call the timeout. So I'm not crazy, right? No, no. Because this no. is in college. College, Dude. you give yourself up, clock stops, they mark the ball, and then they, you know, and then, and then you could, you're able to call that timeout. The NFL, they had to touch him down. And because right. they touched him down, they were able to call the timeout. If they don't touch him down, the clock runs. But, buddy, it was the most frustrating but most Dolphins game I've seen all year. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I was, this, this game felt like, and, and I'm just being honest. This game actually felt like when Bama plays a D1 AA team. That's how it felt to me. Why do I say that? The Dolphins had everything to lose, but really nothing to gain. They beat the beat undefeated Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, golf clap. They they beat the Jaguars. Great. That's great. That, moving forward, that does nothing for you, but make you even – you're just a bad team. Makes, a a bad little, team. makes a little bit better of a plane ride, though. Back home. Agree. Oh, that's a long – long yeah i've been i've done that oh buddy two days after my kid was born i did that and that is a long long plane ride uh but no man i was watching this game and i watched the entire game the play that you match I, I i'm starting and i like flow like i've yeah, heard all go. these great things about flow. like i've i've heard 
the, my, the player engagement person has told me that Flo is the best dude he's ever been around. If I was there before the dark days of Gase, that I would still be on the team. And I'm not bitter about that. God works in mysterious ways. So I don't care about that. But it just was nice to hear that, like, the culture and the things that he believes in are the same things that align with me and what I believe in in my work and my craft. So that's one. Two, other equipment staff people have said the same thing. Dude, he, he is just an amazing dude. Like you walk up to him, he has a conversation with you. Like he's not like anybody else that I've ever been around that just won't speak to you other than football. So for me, I'm, I'm like rooting for him. So like, but after this one, it seems like, and I, and I could be completely wrong, that he just is lacking what it takes to be a CEO or, or a manager of a team. What I mean by that, 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 there was one series in that game where they punted the ball back to Jacksonville and they got no points. Jacksonville had just scored. They punted the ball and put Jacksonville down. They had great field position. It was like, like past the 50 yard line on their own side. They were in, they ended up getting kicking a sack or getting a penalty and they punted the ball back. And Jacksonville goes in this long drive and scores. They get the ball back in the second half. They get the ball, they receive the second half. They score again. So there was really essentially a 14 place, 14 point swing before the Dolphins could even get the receive the ball in the third quarter. After momentum is gone at this point. It's all shot. That was, the, that was the, the sequence in the game where I thought Jacksonville took over. Jacksonville took over. Yes, we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> took over the game. Like the, the winless 790-day Jacksonville Jaguars took over. The, anyway, sorry, I'm just reemphasize that. It just kind of fired me up. But, and then at the end of the game, you have a chance to win the game. Flocos prevent, thinking that Lawrence is going to throw it 100 miles an hour. First off, I don't know if you know this, but the Dolphins called timeout on that run. The Dolphins called timeout. Urban was going to, going to the daggum overtime. He's going to overtime. The Dolphins burn one. So he's like, okay, hold on. Wait a second, wait a second. And all I need is eight, nine yards, fourth down. I can probably get this. And I'm screaming in my car by myself. My two dogs are holding their ears saying, what are we why are we playing prevent and giving them the first? Like he had nobody back there. I'm like, what are we doing? You just give him the first down. He catches the ball and throws it right in there and gets 10. I'm like, I mean, that was easy. My, my kid could have done that. I mean, so then he kicks the field goal. It was like he wanted to lose that game. I don't know if he had money on it, but I'm just starting to, to, to separate myself from being on the flow train to kind of being like, hold up now. Is it, What's going on? Maybe they, they've caught on to what you do in your gimmicks on defense with the three, three stack and the, you know, the prowl and all the rotation of eight up coverages and the place and it's hard to identify players and all that stuff. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but there's some disconnect for sure between the players and the team. I'm sorry. And the coaches. Before we move on to, uh, to another game that took place on Sunday, I do want to ask you being a former quarterback yourself and being in that quarterback room and having voices, whether it be, whether it be the quarterback coach, whether it be the offensive coordinator, whether it be the head coach. And sometimes same guy holds a couple of those titles can be the offensive coordinator and the head coach and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But my point of bringing all that up is this. Everyone is on, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people are on the 
well, Miami should have drafted Herbert instead of Tua Tagovailoa. And I get it. I understand it. Talent-wise, you're watching one guy playing the league, although he had a bad game yesterday in Herbert, playing the league well, while another guy is struggling to stay healthy. But he had a decent game yesterday. And they didn't lose the game. The Dolphins didn't lose because of Tua yesterday. No. He had his moments. He certainly could have been more, I guess, more dynamic in some of his, some of his plays. But they didn't lose because of Tua yesterday. They didn't help him either because they put him in a shotgun on fourth and one to hand the ball yeah, off, which is a dumb play to begin with. But that's besides well, the point. I, I digress. My point of bringing up Herbert and Tua is, and I ask you for being a former quarterback, Brandon Dowdy, is the fact that everyone just assumes that Herbert would look the same as he does in L.A. if he was playing in Miami. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Correct. This isn't, this isn't Madden. This isn't fantasy football where you just plug a guy in and the system is just automatically poof. That guy ends up being as good as he was in, in L.A. as he is in, uh, in Miami. That's not how it works. So it matters. You, of all people, and, and heck, and the guys you've played with, like Tannehill, okay, it, and Sam Donald, okay, it matters who you end up being around, especially in your first couple of years in the league. So the fact that people all of a sudden, oh, well, Miami should have drafted Herbert. We don't know that Herbert would be this good if he was in Miami because you don't know what would have been around him. You know, you know what it is? You know what's funny and what I think the Dolphins are missing? And you might disagree. and People will disagree. But I, I've been in the locker room and I understand the locker room. I understand the players in the locker room. I understand the guys in the locker room, the dogs in the locker room, because you got some dogs. Who's your dog on like, a dog? Like third and two, give me the ball. Go, let me, I'll go get it. I, who, who's your guy? Two ain't that guy. He ain't got that mindset to be like, man, screw this. I'm going to go get it. No. For me personally, the people that I've been around, I've been around some fantastic humans. Sue was alpha like hey sue we need to get it we need to we need to do something here oh don't uh donald kim will figure it out they'll just figure it out donald kim sue. sue will figure it out they'll do whatever cam wake he was a dog rashad jones he was a dog bro like go get the ball go attack the ball when the ball's in the air x really wasn't a dog until year two year one rookie still trying to figure it out year two that mouth started going in one-on-ones. He started getting those competitive juices. He started understanding coverages. He didn't understand coverages when he came in, so he felt more comfortable. He's a dog. That's probably the only alpha dog that they got on that team. On the offensive side, it was Jarvis. Jarvis was a dog, bro. Like, I have never been around somebody where there was he would get legitimately angry if you didn't feel like – if a coach didn't feel like he didn't trust him on third down. Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry, if Jarvis Landry didn't, didn't, if he didn't think you, you could trust him on third down, it wasn't even about like a target. It wasn't about like, oh, I want the ball because I'm selfish. No, he was all about winning, bro. Like he was like, I don't give a crap who it is, but if you don't put me in a, a position to either be a decoy or being the guy that gets open in third down, man, you lost me. And I don't, when I look at that locker room, when I look at how their offense is structured, I don't see no dogs. And I don't even think Herbert's a dog. I don't think he is. But he's got Keenan Allen, who's a dog. Like, this dude, Keenan Allen, go, go, just throw it up. I'll go get it. He's a, that dude's a baller, bro. Like, Mike Evans, our Mike uh, Williams, dog. 
Mike Evans even a dog in Tampa. But you have guys on your team that uplift your performance. What I mean by that is you don't have cool guys in there that just want to fit in, that, that just are just happy to be there, that are um, happy with the money that they're making. They're happy about the, where they are in their career. No, nah, man, to Jarvis Landry, it ain't about the bucks. Like he don't care how much he makes. He just loves football and wants to grind and wants to do anything he can to win. When I look at that locker room, based on the guys that I played with that are still there and based upon the guys that I know from other teams, and in this little kind of fraternity around the league when I played, they don't really got a dog. And everything I've heard from two, about Tua, he just don't got that, that killer. Like, man, screw it. I don't care what the coach says. Buzz, buzz me and you're off in 15 seconds in the play clock. Man, psh, I'll run my own thing. This is what I see. Rather than going to the sideline and saying, this is why I did this over can I do this. The great ones like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they don't, they don't ask for permission. They ask for forgiveness. What is it? What does it say? You don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Hey, man, I thought I saw that. I'm playing. You're not. That's, I'm going to go with that. I don't see that into it. And maybe it's a, a way of not understanding the offense, but it comes back to exactly what you're saying. Like, I don't think if Herbert was here, he got no nobody around him. I mean, he wasn't – I didn't see it. And I'll be real. I didn't see Herbert being a dude at all. I thought he was just – Kind of like Tua, just passive, trying to do his thing. So in his college, say, in his college days in Oregon, his college days, yeah, in Oregon, I was like, man, I, he's a cool guy, he's a Cali guy. Like, I don't know, like he's just a laid back for lot. Man, this dude is playing at a high level because of the talent around him, because the coaching staff around him, because of the way they schematically set things up for his success. I don't think they do that in Miami with Tua, because the player that you see in Miami is a scared player. It's a, it's a, I'm scared to lose my job. I'm scared to turn over the ball. I'm scared to make this shot down the field because I don't want to put the defense in a bad situation. So for me, it's just, it, it, it kind of frustrates me when people say like, oh man, we should just grab two. Or like, it ain't that easy. You got guys making millions of dollars evaluating these dudes and they missed. Guess what? They missed on this dude. I don't think he's got the dog in him, but I also think he needs to get some guys around him that will help uplift him like Herbert has. Speaking of Herbert, and uh, he's Brandon Dowdy, Len Martez, the Monday morning extra point on uh, Bucks Nation podcast. Speaking of Herbert, um, as much praise as I will lay on him the first five weeks of the season, ooh, week six was a rough one for his charges at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore as they took on the Ravens. Losing to the Ravens 34-6. to six. Ravens are now 5-1. and one. They've won five straight after losing week one and this one wasn't even close Brandon you know they always talk about I'm sure you've heard heard this being in the league about teams coming from the west coast to the east coast playing on Sunday at one o'clock well somebody needed to tell the charges that the game started at one on Sunday because they went five straight possessions at the start of the game and did not score and they ended up losing 34 to six Mm. So when I watched this game, this game was like the most disappointing game. I thought it was gonna be the best game of the week weekend. I, I thought like oh, likewise, likewise. I thought the same thing. I thought like oh man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my workout done, bro. I'm gonna get a little early. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna I, I want to go check this one out. Like it was one of those like I felt like it was like prime time. Like I know it was at one o'clock, but it felt like oh man, I, this is gonna be a good test for either side. Both both teams playing really well. 
I mean, it all comes back to this, Lenny, and I'm, I, I'm beating a dead horse here. Your leading rusher was your quarterback for the Chargers. They don't run the ball. They just, they, they had, if they are not patient enough to run the ball. Austin Eckler averages 1.2 yards a carry. He rushes it six times. They don't run the ball. I mean, he's, the dude's a top 10 back in the league. They don't give it to him. I mean, yeah, he catches the ball, looks cute out of the backfield. Agreed. But if you want to beat a team like Baltimore, just look at it. I mean, just look at the stats. And I'm not, I'm not a big stats guy. I'm not trying to throw numbers at like that, 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 that does me no good. The game does not win one on a piece of paper. So it don't really matter. But what it does win is 187 yards rushing to 26. Lamar, I mean, they threw two picks in this game. They gave him extra two extra possessions and they win by, you know, whatever, whatever it was, 22 points. I mean, to me, to me, that's just me. If you don't run the ball in the NFL, if you don't set your quarterback up with successful plays and successful ways to spread the field and spread the ball around to playmakers, you will not win. You won't, you have no chance. Baltimore was so in Herbert's head with the mushy defense that they played with the eight up the same defense that Flores was running. Don't get me going, bro. I'm going to get back on floor. <laughs> he was running last year that he's not running anymore this year, but they, that's where it originated from that, that ugly, and I remember we were playing out, we were playing Baltimore on Thursday night and <clears throat> it was a short week, bro. And I'm sitting there with Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. He played tonight. Is that the game and that Kiko Alonso hit Joe Flacco? Yes, bro. I remember that game. Yes. On Thursday night. I remember that game. And ironically, the guy who won after Kiko Alonso plays center here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ryan Jensen. Jensen was Jensen was Flacco's center in Baltimore. I did not know that. Yes, sir. And then when Kiko hit Flacco, uh, when Flacco slid, Jensen yeah, yeah, yeah. Went, Jensen went after went after Kiko. I remember that game. And but anyway, got, go ahead. We got Molly Wall. Yeah, you did. But when you're sitting there, so so we're sitting there. I think it's like Monday. Usually the day's off. So Monday we usually had a day off after game. So it was either Monday or Tuesday because it was a short week and we condensed stuff. And we had not been on the field yet. And Ryan's only said this to me twice. And he was just looking at me and we just meet him. It's like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm just trying to grind it out. I don't know where Matt was. I think he went to put his kids back in the bed and they were going to come back and, and, and bust out third down. So, and so he said to me and he's sitting in our quarterback, quarterback uh, coach's chair. He's got his feet on the desk and he looks at me and goes, hey, BD. And I go, what's up, what's up, Ryan? He goes, like, I don't know what we're gonna do this week. <laughs> I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He's like, but they can come from anywhere. They can come from here. They can come from there. They can, they, they, what we used to call it, eight up, eight. It's, it's kind of a double, it's kind of a double meaning. Eight guys at the line of scrimmage. They bring everybody up in the line of scrimmage. Okay, and as a quarterback. When you identify who the mic is, that's what, what sets your protection. So the mic linebacker, when you hear it on TV, when you hear it on the radio, like, hey, Mike's 55, Mike's 55, Mike's 55. That is that is the offensive line identifying who they are going to uh, I, be of the one responsibility for either the center and the guards or tackles just based on the play and what they're trying to do in man protection schemes, perhaps, uh, pass protection schemes the mic is the person that 
the, the offensive line is going to sort through. So you identify the mic to a side of threat. What I mean by that is if there's safety rotation to a side, you identify the mic and you can re-mic to somebody that is a threat rather than miking somebody who is not a threat to come and bring pressure to a quarterback. So what, what Baltimore does is they run this eight up and you'll notice it. They, they leave two, two a gap center, a gap. So they'll split the a gaps and they'll have the linebackers come up. So you have two, three techniques, which is like guys on the guards outer hip. And then they have two linebackers inside. So either of those two are, can be miked. You have no idea. So usually the guy with the rotated safety down to one side is the guy you identify as Mike so that the line can sort the Mike and the Sam backer. So in that case, you, you, you're picked up, you know, you're not hot, but when the Baltimore runs it, they bring both of them down and dude, they had, um, and who was it? Uh, gosh, Eric Waddle, Weedle, Weddle, Weedle, Waddle, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle. He was the master of disguise. Dude was not very laterally quick, nothing, but he was master of disguise. So you get in your cadence, you run dummy cadences. He had studied dummy, dummy cadences. So you, you just your tempo and how you say it so that, so that he knew when the ball was being snapped. So he would, they would eat, eight, eight, we would call it eight up. They'd have all eight guys on the line of scrimmage. So you had no idea where it's coming from. They have no tells. The line is that the DBs are playing at four at the same level. So you have no idea what's coming. They can run anything at all. And Ryan's looking at me, he pauses the tape and he's like, bro, I don't know what to do, bro. Like I, if I go right, I'm going to be hot left. If I go left, I'm going to be hot right. Like I have, there's no way for us to pick this up. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I totally understand. We got to live in screen game. We have to live in the run game. That's why you need to run the ball against Baltimore, but you need, but you have to be able to get ball out of your hand. And so, so we're in the middle of the game and he told me this and we kind of had a game plan situated coming out and, and he, we built this trust through the week, man, if you watch this game, this is so embarrassing, but we ran like this little stick play to the one side and he ran like a little a hitch from the outside receiver, a fade for the inside receiver and a little stick route by the tight end three by one. The fade was to, for man coverage. So we had like a, the running back go out on the outside, brought him back in for a linebacker. If a linebacker came on him, it was man coverage. I'm going to throw that fade. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to throw that fade. So he did, he got zone coverage. He threw the stick route, completed it for six yards. He comes to the sideline. He's like, dang, dude. They're eating up these sticks. I don't know what to do. I was like, dude, that hitch to the field is wide open. They aren't even looking at you, bro. Just, just hold them, catch the ball as soon as you catch it, fire your hips and throw that thing to the hit, to hitch to the field. So I don't, he didn't really say nothing, but you know, it's kind of like one of those like, I hear you, but I don't hear you, but I'm hoping you do hear me. But at the same time, I really don't hope you do. Cause if something goes bad, you're gonna be like, Daddy, what the, you know, like, yeah. So, 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 so he, he, Sure as crap happens, he calls plant. It's called stick. It was a was a playoff plant, and uh, so he calls plant. And Ryan, sure as crap, catches that ball one step, throws it to the fish, hitch to the field. They run cloud, bro. <laughs> like the, the, the corner, the corner rolls up. They're in the eight up, and he has no idea what's coming. He's already guessing, swimming. By the time you you do that. 50 60 times a game bro your mind is so mush because you're just trying to identify who everybody is for everyone so it's everyone's on the same page so i think he was all mushed up he grabs the ball throws it out there to the hitch bro 
man, someone, I don't even remember who the guy was, but he just jumps right in front of me. He threw it right at the corner, bro. And he just walks right into the end zone. I was like, God, he comes to the sideline. Said, Brandon, bro, what's up? You didn't tell the I said, man, they didn't run cloud before. And I just got a turtle shelled, man. Like, as soon as I, you know, as he, oh, man, it was one of those moments, man. But Baltimore, man, they're, the way they run defense is like so untraditional to anything you ever see as a quarterback that makes it so hard. That's why people have so much trouble with them. And I can't imagine if they had the talent they had back when they had Ray and Ed and all those dudes, man. I can't, I couldn't imagine running that defense. Suggs. Man, I couldn't imagine running that defense with that talent. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, they was they were pretty stout. Uh, they were man. Back back front nada Alodi nada. I mean they nada. They were they were they were tough defense. They had Judon when we played, and he's a freaking baller. Yeah, they um surprisingly enough though too, they have I believe sixteen players on IR Crazy. from the start of the season, and that still- strength step guy is out. And they're still five and one though, and they and you know they're being they're they're still one of the best teams in the AFC, and they beat up on a team that many of us thought was one of the better teams in AFC too. And, and Agreed. Charges on Sunday. I'm, all, I'm on that. I'm on that. I was that, too. That train, man. I, I was too. Uh, but speaking of quarterback play, let's move on to another game. A game that this quarterback claims to own this franchise's opponent. That being the Packers and Bears, Packers beating the Bears 24 to 14. Packers are now five and one. Another team that's won five straight since losing that week one to the Saints. Back then, my man Aaron Rodgers, number 12, told everybody to just chill out, relax. We're still working through some things. And he was right. And, and not only are they working through things, the last uh, 27 meters against the Bears, 20, 22 of them have been wins for Aaron Rodgers. And he doesn't have to be spectacular. And again, 24 to 14 win. He had a rushing touchdown. He had two TDs. He wasn't, he, he wasn't throwing the ball all over the place. He was just being the consistent quarterback that he is. And people need to start worrying about the, about the Packers. They need to start yeah. worrying. They're, they're, they're laying in the weeds a little bit. You know, they're yeah. one of those teams I mentioned earlier as far as equaling the, the Bucks 5-1 and one record. And uh, Green Bay is certainly one that you're going to hear from playoff time. Yep, I agree. I think uh, they're the real deal. Um, they do a really good job of running the football. They do a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage. They eat up, eat up time of possession. That's that's kind of the deal. They, they eat you up. They got a guy like Rodgers that, like, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe the week one uh, over overanalyzed over the analyzers out there of week one in their debacle. Do you think like that was a credit to like the lack of off season they had camaraderie on offensive side of the ball? Have you thought about that? Like maybe it was like, man, I ain't, I ain't played with these dudes in forever. I had all this drama going on in the off season. Like I didn't want to be here. Didn't, didn't, didn't want to be here. And then all of a sudden. We well, everyone wrote them off. Yeah. After that, after that week, you know, they, they, I mean, they were saying that Rogers didn't even want to play. It basically said, you know, he, he had other interests and, and I'm like, come on, man, this guy, on, this, man. This, this, you guys talked bad about him last year and all he did was go out and, and he won the MVP. So I, keep talking bad about him. He's he's gonna, gonna, I don't know. Maybe he's just too good of a guy. He don't have any dirt on nobody. I do love his show on Tuesdays, man. I, I think that was, Pat McAfee show, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love how real and raw yes. it is. That's like the best. And and I guess what also kind of frustrates me is like we've seen this Packers team with a Rodgers that wasn't fully connected with the staff. Like 
why isn't he in in all these decisions? Like, why is Devonte Adams his only real dog out there? Like, why why don't he get a, a guy like AJ Green that was in the rock? Like, why aren't they in in for Juju Smith Schuster? Like, why don't they get him some help, bro? He's not getting any younger. So I guess I'm I'm kind of torn towards like, man. I think he wants to end his career there because of the fans, but I think he's in a point where even if he wins a Super Bowl, I think if they win this year, they win a Super Bowl this year, I think Aaron can say, I gave the Packers nation a, a farewell, a goodbye, and I could play one more year and pull a Tom somewhere else, a couple of years somewhere else, just to see what the, what the grass is on the other side. Uh, but I think that, that his mental space all, all offseason, in my opinion, was because of Tom. He saw the success Tom had and how much influence he has on this Bucks roster, bringing guys in for cheap. Sue want to play with him for nothing last year. Uh, all these dudes, man, all these dudes were, were taking pay cuts for him. Antonio Brown takes a pay cut for him last year. Like, he's seeing that and being like, man, what the heck, bro? Like, I'm <laughs> I'm up there with I'm – not, I'm not Tom, but I'm up there with Tom, and I, I can still ball. Why aren't you helping me out? So – I hope they figure it out. I think LaFleur is a good coach. I really do. I think his offense is pretty sweet. I think they do a good job in the RPOs. I think they do a good job utilizing what they do well on the offensive side of the ball extremely well. Like they, they don't let Rodgers do anything that he's not comfortable with, which I think is awesome. On the other side of the ball, Matt Nagy and all those guys, I don't know what's going on with them. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if they don't have no identity they don't know what they want to be as an offense. So I, I don't, I, I think Chicago's defense and they're wasting this unbelievable Chicago defense right now. And the Tampa Bay Bucks will see this unbelievable defense next week. And so I, I think that they're just wasting it. Uh, I think they, uh, if they don't figure it out very quickly, they're going to be out of this race very quick. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. I think there'll be um, a few landing spots for Aaron Rodgers if he decides to leave Green Bay. I mean, you got a lot of things that, that are certainly unsettled right now. We're in week six in the NFL, but you know, last offseason, and you never know, last offseason it was, you know, the Russell Wilson conversation about him potentially parting ways with Seattle. There's always the Deshaun Watson situation. So that's another thing that needs to get cleared up because he's probably played his last game with Houston and there's no telling where his career would be come 2022. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, He's going to have an opportunity if he wants to stay. Obviously, he probably can. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, I I would lean towards the fact that he probably wants to pick and choose the place he wants to play his last couple of years and have a little more saying things. And you know what? There'll be plenty of places that'll be willing to do that because there's a place here in Tampa Bay that did the same thing with Tom Brady, and they're loving the fact that they were able to not only get Tom Brady, but to get him to perform at this level and to be successful. You know, two years in a row, and as you mentioned, to just lure players into coming to, to the area and play with them. So that's something that a franchise can have if they get a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And certainly the connections are different and, you know, personalities are different as far as Tom and Aaron is concerned. But you're still talking about all pro and Hall of Fame, all world quarterbacks. And because of that, those guys usually get what get what they want when it comes to uh, other players they right. should at least Aaron not so much in Green Bay but I'm sure if someone takes the time to bring bring him into their franchise they'd be willing 
to make the changes that he asked them to do. All, otherwise, you don't, you don't go out and get the guy. You just don't. Right. You just don't. Uh, when it comes to the lone undefeated team in the NFL, there's only one. The lone Cardinals. Lonely. Surprisingly enough, Brandon, Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback, and myself, Len Martez, we've both uh, had our doubts as far as the Cardinals are concerned. I had the Cards losing on Sunday before the game started, but they ended up winning 37 to 14 over the Browns. Certainly the Browns were affected by injuries, certainly were affected by the, the, the lack of running game with not having Nick Chubb. But, and you got to give credit. I mean, there's going to come a time where, uh, where Brandon, you and I are going to have to start giving credit to that team from Arizona, because again, they are six and zero. They scored the first 20 points of the game yesterday against Cleveland on the road. And uh, to me, they kind of manhandled the Browns too. And I I get it. The Browns were banged up. Offensive line was banged up, but they manhandled the Browns pretty well. And they they didn't have their their head coach who caused the plays. Nope. And didn't have, and didn't have Chandler Jones either. And Chandler Jones. And Whippy was calling the plays. I don't think he's ever called plays ever again in his life. I I think I read that set and I was like, Whoa, one, I mean, I'm I'm so hard. I'm like hard pressed to buy on this team, bro. Like I don't know what is holding me back. I know what's holding me back. It's the it's the, it's the spread offense that that Kingsbury. The wants. sexy spread offense. Yeah. It's the it's the lack of uh, uh, patience in, in the run game. I, I I do think Kyler Murray is one of one that I've ever seen. I think first off, he's got the sweetest throwing motion I've ever. Like he has. Absolutely no wasted motion in that throwing. It's like it's like a thing of art, like a dorky thing, like me, of course. Like a, a ex quarterback is the only one that would notice like how beautiful Kyler Murray's throwing motion is. Like it's, it's kind of silly. Two, he runs like a four two, bro. Like I know you have these sexy guys on the on the on the backside that can that can rush the passer with Clowney and Miles Garrett, and I think that they do a good job of suffocating him at times. But at the same time, he. All he needs is one or two plays to get out of that pocket, and it turns into 70-yard bombs. And so uh, he's he's developed uh, mentally, in my opinion, the most out of any player in this league, most improved mentally. Physically, he is who he is, like a freak show. But this team's dangerous, and, I, and they can do it. They've done it in a multitude of ways, which makes them more dangerous. Uh, but I do think Cleveland was pretty banged up by, by injuries, and you try to put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands you have there's no chance and I don't know what what happened he was such a alpha unbelievable talent at Oklahoma and then he gets in the NFL and it's moving a little bit too fast for me I don't know if it's lack of preparation uh, I could tell he's a little slow in his reads I don't know if he's still banged up with that shoulder I know that it's his left shoulder and I think people I think people are crazy when they say like oh it's his left shoulder he can still throw with his right shoulder like bro you ain't out it's there. all affecting you ain't benching with a poor labor, bro. I know right. how, you know, you ain't, you ain't doing anything. You pick up your kids with a torn labor. You, you are in pain, bro. Like, I don't, I don't care. You have torn labor. That stuff hurts, bro. Like, so I'm not like making it a cop out, but I just think that mentally he needs to be better. And I don't, I mean that he can quick up his reads. He quick up his feet. I think he gets sloppy with his feet. I think he gets sloppy with his technique, with his throws. I think he, he holds the ball too high. And when he holds the ball too high, when things are off beat, his balance and his framework of his feet 
get a little bit erratic and it causes him to be erratic when he throws the ball. So um, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of teams that would like Baker Mayfield to be out there, but I'm saying you're he's got you're some forced. cleaning up to do. He does. He's got some cleaning up to do. And at times running out, bro, like the clicker, like the sand in the little thing is running, mm-hmm. it's running down. Like you better, I'm, I'm like, I guess I get frustrated because he hasn't cleaned these things up already. And I can see it. I'm just like a casual guy like you and I, but I played. So I, I kind of can see it from a different perspective. So, um, but he's, he better clean it up and he better clean it up fast. And this team better get it together and they better get healthy. Cause if not, they get a quick turnaround. They play on Thursday night and, it's looking like they're going to be another struggle busting week for them. But uh, both teams, I think that they, if they if they clean it up, they could be playoff teams because they run the ball and play good defense on Cleveland side. And on the other side, they got an athlete that's one of one and, and a guys that fit Chip Cliff Kingsbury's system so perfectly. I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize, Lenny, how good Hopkins was, man. His ability to, like, shed tackles is, like, crazy like it's like aesthetically like how did he get out of that stuff I don't he th- took a third down yesterday it was like a little he was hot Kyler Murray was just hot and what all everything I just talked about he had a guy that came he pointed at him he said if this guy comes you run a hot route he catches the ball he throws it to Hopkins on third and eight on on the eight and and Hopkins makes five guys miss and waddles into the end zone I'm like what the heck bro that dude that dude's a freak you pay that man so anyway Yep, Kyler Murray, yesterday, 20, 229 yards, four TDs. You mentioned Hopkins. He had two touchdowns, including the one you talked about. All right, the final game that we're going to talk about, Mr. Brandon Dowdy. Brandon Dowdy, NFL, former NFL quarterback, Len Martez, here the Monday morning extra point. The final game is a game that I kind of thought really shouldn't have been as close as it was, Agreed. but it went into overtime. And I'm talking about the Cowboys-Patriots game. Cowboys winning this one 35-29 to 29 in overtime. Cowboys are now 5-1. and one. Patriots are now 2-4, and four, have lost three straight home games, something they haven't done in a long time, pre-Belichick days. But this game had three, late, three lead changes in the fourth quarter. It also had a Cowboys team that committed 12 turn, uh, penalties, not turnovers, 12 penalties, but also went two for four on fourth down. And that, and granted, Dak Prescott had a big game, 36 of 51, 445 yards, but he threw a pick. And I bring up all those things. I bring up the penalties and I bring up the two for four on fourth down and I bring up the interception because honestly, dude, Brandon, I think the Cowboys could have scored 50 yesterday. And, and the only reason why they didn't was because of the Cowboys, not because of New England. That's right. One, dude, 100% you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that this game should not have been close. I think Dak's playing pretty elitely. And I'm talking about, like, there's a difference right there between Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott. Dak, Pres- bro, Dak Prescott's progr- – think about, like, Dak Prescott's progression from Mississippi State. Like, he was a running quarterback. He was a big zone read, RPO – he was reading three techniques. He was reading any possible way they could run QB power. They were running it. He wasn't going back there making reads, going in progressions, third, fourth progression. Like that dude has put in the work. Like he's completely humbled himself and said, this is not going to work. I cannot sustain this for 10 years, 10 plus years, what, the way I want to play. And so what I need to do, I need to beat people with their beat, beat these teams with my mind. That's why 
the Tom Brady's play. Tom Brady can't run. Drew Brees plays. He beats people with their mind. Peyton Manning can't run. I mean, he looks, if you've seen that dude with his shirt off, I mean, you would think like, who is this guy? Like I've seen him with his shirt off. I'm like, why is his belly so big? Like why, <laughs> why, why he got no definition? He works out just as much as I do, but why has he got no definition? Anyway, but I just think that they, he's, he's taking the game so serious and is being a Dallas quarterback is, Dallas Cowboys quarterback has put that pressure in his mind to say, I need to succeed and I need to take care of my body. This Dallas team is, is crazy, crazy scary to me. And I, and I know we want to put the woes on like the Tampa Bay Bucks DBs and like how bad their defensive backs were and Dak threw for five, almost 500 and blah, blah, blah. Maybe the confidence started with Tampa Bay because they had to play Dak Prescott, not because of the stats look the way they are like this, because of how bad they are in the secondary. I'm, maybe it's the confidence level because of what the, what the Cowboys are doing on the offensive side of the ball. Kellen Moore is going to be a head coach in the NFL. Um, I would say three years, which is crazy to me. Uh, he's His mind is unbelievable. His game plan changes within every single game they play like that they dictate to the defense rather than dictate defense dictating to them crazy good um but this Patriots defense was no no joke either and they, and he torched them up I think this game was good I also think on the opposite side I think Mac Jones is legit and I think he's only gonna be legit because he's being taught by the best offensive mind in football with Josh McDaniels who taught Tom Brady who Brady is now teaching to Leftwich. It's like a crazy cool circle. Um, but I, I think Mac Jones is legit. I think they're a couple, a year or two away from being unbelievable good, the back to New England good, uh, with the way they're they're structured, their contracts are structured. But uh, this was a really good game. I watched this actually the fourth quarter was really good and I, I enjoyed it was just very aesthetically pleasing because of how much good football was being played it wasn't sloppy it wasn't man they're just giving it away but you said they had that pit interception but other than that it was just clean football like it was like uh, for me a, a football junkie it was like I don't know I felt like I was eating a dessert when I was watching that yeah no the fourth quarter was very exciting my point was in, in starting things in, was saying the fact that Dallas went up and down the football field and yeah. certainly did it in the first half. And they were their own worst enemy in the first half. And the fourth quarter was certainly really exciting with the lead changes, including overtime too. But just watching, just watching the game and watching 60 minutes, I'm like, man, Dallas didn't have to go into overtime to win this football game. Nope. They should have won the game in regulation because of uh, as well as they moved the football up and down the football field and they shot themselves in the foot with, with penalties and, and, and not converting on fourth down. But as far as teams concerned, as far as the productivity is concerned, as far as them being a threat in the NFC, they're legit. legit. I mean, we talked about the five and one teams. The Bucks are five and one. The Rams are five and one. The Packers are five and one. And the Cowboys are five and one. And that's kind of top heavy when it comes to the NFC compared to the AFC, because granted, they are certainly quality teams in AFC, but there's only, in my eyes, after watching the Chargers play yesterday, you got Buffalo who plays tonight against Tennessee to wrap up week six in the NFL, and you got the Ravens. I mean, those are the teams that really jump out at you and say, okay, those teams, you know, they can play with the teams that are in the NFC, but in the NFC, I mean, 
those four teams I mentioned, not to mention the fact that you still have this lone undefeated team in, in the Cardinals. I mean, those teams are legit. Yep, I agree. I think yep. so too. I, I like, I still want to buy on the Chiefs too. Like, I, I don't know why I'm like praying they turn it around, but man, I don't know. They ain't got the same juices they had. It almost looks like they're fatigued in week six. Like, I don't know how they can be fatigued, but they look like fatigued in week six. I never, I've never felt like a uh, Chiefs team, Andy Reid Chiefs team. Has felt, has felt like that. I don't know what it is. You know, I watched them put the game away yesterday against the Washington football team, them being the Chiefs. And Brandon, literally, they, they controlled the last drive of the game through the air. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, I know. short passing game. There was some Mahomes, you know, quick third down runs. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, they went, when they went man, and they didn't account for him, and he just took off and got first downs. But for the most part, they, like most teams, would run the football to dominate the closing minutes of the game and to seal the win. They sealed the win yesterday through the air. And I don't know that you can do that, man. You just can't do that. You can't do that. They're sloppy, man. They just, like, they miss opportunities so much. Like, it's either... Patty throws it four feet over somebody's head when you're like, how in the world did he just, how do you miss that? Or Tyreek Hill miss, doesn't catch a ball that's in his chest and gets popped up and they picked off. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's just so, it's so ugly. Like I used to like watching that offense. I used to like watching the, the creativity of that offense. I like watching Mahomes and all the crazy arm angles and the strong arm and all that stuff. But like, I don't know why, like my mind is like, I don't know if you can sustain this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just like a weird feeling. Like I want to sell on them because my boy Matt Moore has got some ties there and I've talked to Pat and I feel like I'm connected to them without being really connected to them at all. So like, but like at the same time, I'm like, uh, I just don't see it. You know, I just don't, I don't, see them getting over the hill and maybe they, they'll shock me and say it, but there's teams in this league. And I've said this before on this, this podcast, there are teams in this league that are moving in the right direction, but there's teams in this league that are moving in the worst direction. Like Carolina is moving in the bad direction. Why? Because they turn over the ball. They do what bad teams do. Now they haven't, they were not doing bad things before. Now they're doing what bad. I think the Minnesota Vikings are trending in the right direction. I think the saints are training in the right direction. I think, the Cowboys are trending. The right. there's, there's, there's teams that are just, I feel good about moving into the postseason. And there's teams that I don't feel good about. <clears throat> Even the Falcons look good. Washington, they look bad. I mean, it's just like, I, I just see the, the transactions of these teams. And I just, I'm excited to see what the end, end feels like. Maybe they have a coming with Jesus and they come together and they figure out, hey, man, I got to, we got to figure some stuff out or they're going to let pride win. And I've seen teams do both. So he's Brandon Dowdy again. You can follow him at, Brandon Dowdy on Twitter. You can follow me, Len Martez, at Elmar810. This is the Monday Morning Extra Point, MMXP, a Bucks Nation podcast. That wraps up week six in the NFL. We will holler at you next week when we talk to you about week seven in the NFL.